from balmy Columbus, Ohio, where it is a uh, brisk nine degrees Fahrenheit outside. And, you know, in, in the depths of the winter, um, you know, there's only thing, the only thing to do is talk about Ohio State sports. So I think that we have a lot on our plate this week. And you know who else has a lot on their plate? Uh, the people giving NIL money to guys coming back <laughs> to Ohio State this season, because it looks like nice thank you i like the segue that i went there it looks like pretty much everybody's coming back now not everybody everybody but i want to start off this very packed dubcast george by discussing the guys who are running it back for another season in 2024 donovan jackson this is just within the last like week or so donovan jackson denzel burke emeka abuka uh jt2 and Trayvon Henderson, Jordan Hancock, all these guys are making another run for it. And 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 so, again, we've got a lot to get into this week. Um, men's basketball, college basketball, college football, blah, blah, blah. Uh, new administrators at Ohio State. But I want to start with this, and I want to start by asking you, okay? Uh, first of all, for you, were there any surprises in the list of names of guys who are coming back in 2024 for Ohio State? Well, I think we have to pay tribute to, uh, you know, recently disgraced 11 Warriors beat reporter Andrew Smith for breaking the Donovan Jackson story, first of all, (laughs) do we not? Yeah. You know, I mean. That one surprised me. I didn't expect Donovan Jackson was coming back until Mr. Smith said, oh, no, I, I talked to a." No, he called him D-Jax. D-Jax. That's what it was. <laughs> he said he's talking to him, and his name's D-Jax. D-Jax. So that was the Not biggest shock to me. Warriors. I, the, need to, I need to emphasize that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, we should have led with that, but, uh, you know, it was part of the right. bit. Yeah, there is some guy out there who, you know, the – the the eleven warriors brand is so illustrious has has generated so much clout for itself that now the the underlings the the D list journalists of the Ohio State beat are anointing By the way, themselves. Real quick, this is this is kind of a side note, and obviously it's you know we're already getting off track, but it's fine. Um, I had someone. I, I this is the most honored I felt. Um, in my entirety of my time at 11 warriors, I had someone impersonate me on Twitter once and like, yeah. And recreate my entire account and um, not my entire account, but you know, like the profile and pictures and the bio and everything. And they started to tweet as if they were me. And it was, I was slightly creeped out, but like, if we're doing like, you know, a hundred percent, it was like maybe 10% creeped out and like 90% incredibly flattered. So if there's anybody out there, who might have done this or perpetrated this, just know that I don't hold any grudges and uh, I'm, I'm a little proud. So thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Just don't actually steal my identity uh, slash, you know, credit card numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. My identity hasn't been stolen or repurposed on Twitter, but I do have another uh, brand that I manage that that has someone tried to create a duplicate Man. account of that, which was kind That's... of interesting, but I mean, it didn't, they never like tweeted yeah. from it. They just created it, which I thought was really weird because they like took my avatar, my that's logo, a little, and everything. That, you and know, I was like, "Hey, imitation it's, it's like, is it's, the most sincere it, it's form of why, I think it's just like a bot 
clone yeah, or maybe. something, but <clears throat> honestly, but like it anyway, we are getting off track, but the point that I was making out of that whole joke to, you know, our dearly beloved Andrew Smith is that the D jacks as he's apparently now known, that was the biggest shock really? to me. Not, um, not like that kind of, not, you know, I called it on the dub cast on the last episode. We were saying, what would be the biggest one to come back? Because at the time, who who was it last week that was the the first big name that said that they were going to be back? I mean, was it Sawyer? Yeah, I think Sawyer was probably the guy who kicked a lot of that off. Um, I don't think people were super shocked by Sawyer, but yeah, I think he was he was probably one of the first there. There was someone we were talking about last week, and of course we've already forgotten. But the point is, we were asking last week, who's good? Is this going to be the biggest name that comes back? And I, I preached caution because I said there's still so many other names that are potentially coming mm-hmm. back, and it really felt to me, especially based on the conversation we had about where Travion's current value is relative to, you know, going to the NFL now or later, or what he actually wants. I I was more confident that he was going to come mm-hmm. back uh, than actually go, even though I thought it was the better move for him to actually go to the NFL. Right. Now. So I'm I wasn't as shocked by it personally. I guess I'm more shocked that a lot of the offensive line kind of wants to run it back again. But I suppose that they're kind of attached at the hip with Travion in some respects. Yeah. Um, and when I said that last week, I wasn't expecting that they were going to get, uh, a transfer in addition to help kind of put the running back room into place, especially a transfer that at the time that, you know, the guy from Ole Miss came in, it kind of looked like he was going to be the lead back in some respects, even though he profiled as a guy that would be much more well-suited to be you know, someone that wasn't going to have to handle a full workload. So I, Travion didn't surprise me as much. I'm very glad to see it. I'm more surprised that they're getting as much of the offensive line back as, you know, we've seen. And uh, I, I don't like how that affects their ability to go get guys that are now suddenly in the Mm. portal, but there's still a lot of things that have to fall into place. I think I'm more surprised that they're getting both defensive backs back on the other side of the ball. That's probably the biggest surprise to me out of all. Yeah, of that's. This. I mean, obviously, I'm not complaining about any of this. I, for me, I think it was Henderson in part because of kind of what you just laid out, which is that you've already got kind of a pretty big name coming in at running back, a guy who was you know all SEC, I think runner up at, or second team SEC maybe last season. And like statistically, I mean, the guy doesn't, you know, pop off the page, but it was definitely a situation where you were like, okay, well, we need another running back ASAP because our number one guy is going to hit the NFL and all that. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, but I think it, it, like in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. Like a guy like Travion Henderson, I think wants to show that he can be around for an entire season, but that's also going to require load management from, you know, Ryan Day and company. And as a result, you want to bring in a guy that, you know, if you do need to spell Henderson, um, you can trust this dude to, you know, pick up 10, 15 carries a game and still be excellent. And I think that's what they were looking for. And that's what they got. I just didn't expect it to play out that way. That just seemed like, you know, there's only so much money to go around, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, 
when you've got uh, JT Tumaloa coming back and and Hancock and Burke and Emeka. Emeka, I'm not surprised by that. That made a lot of sense because he gets to be, you know, the ostensible number one dude. I was more surprised he waited as long as he did to yeah, make his decision. Same. And I, I thought he would be like one of the very first guys uh, that would, you know, announce that he's coming back. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Henderson for me is, is probably the most surprising. Um, and then maybe even Burke as well, because he's, he played so well this past season and, and especially given, you know, <laughs> how much he had improved from the previous season uh, for him coming back. Obviously that's, that's freaking gigantic. And the, you know, the defense as a whole looks, I mean, it's the same defense and it's the same defense that was number two in the country, but like, with another year of experience. So they're going to be really. Except now Eichenberg and Chambers have been replaced with Hicks. Yeah. And, you know, and. and which is kind of an upgrade. In my yeah. Opinion. I mean, Eichenberg, I know Eichenberg got a lot of accolades this season. I don't, I honestly don't think he played as well. Steele uh, did not have. He played hurt in the Michigan game, which he, he I mean, he shouldn't have been out there to begin right. with, but he hadn't played for like three weeks at right. that point. And, and they wanted to give him a right shot. and still chambers didn't have a very good season i think one of the biggest things for me is the fact that so many guys are coming back i mean pretty much the entire defense with the exception as you know as as you kind of talked about um you know linebackers are going to be interesting and i think a guy like cody simon returning um you know hicks maybe moving to that role i i, I think that i don't know if this is necessarily an upgrade but it's certainly not a, i don't think it'll be a huge downgrade in any event uh, you got your all your DBs coming back. Your defensive line looks roughly the same. Um, I don't know, man. I mean that that sets you up for a really, really, really good uh, you know chance at a run. And you know, depending on how the offense works out, I mean, there's a lot of question marks there. But bringing back Henderson is obviously huge. Um, Donovan Jackson coming back, you know, probably the best offensive lineman this season. I'm I'm just excited about it. I think it's super awesome they will retain so many guys and so much talent. Uh, my question then is uh, kind of to, to wrap this part of it up. Who do you think makes the most impact? Who do you think is the most important guy coming back out of the, all of these dudes who have decided that they're going to you know, reload the clip, so to speak? Uh, that's a good question, but I, I'd say it's probably Henderson because he projects now as the best player in the offense next yeah. year. Um, I, you can't say it's Ibuka just because he, he, was a little bit too hurt this season and was not even the you know number one contributor at his position in his own right even when he was healthy just because of being rolled behind Marv so he doesn't he he's not acclimated to playing as a wide receiver one even though he had to serve as that I think you know during part of the Notre Dame game um, well, the other thing with the Mecca he, is that like, there's a lot of other talent around him too, right? Like it's not, I mean, yes, he'll be the one, but on the other hand, you also got like, you know, Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate and all these other guys. Like, Yeah. But I think what you, when you think about what the pecking order is, it's going to be, oh, is it this guy that has now contributed like very, very clearly over the last two seasons? Or is it these other guys that are green as right. grass? I mean, it's not really like a Rose Bowl CJ Stroud situation where it's like, oh, I've got one receiver that I know I can rely on now that the two in front of them are out or the three are gone. But 
uh, you know, these these other guys, <laughs> you know, there's the son of a Hall of Famer waiting in the wings to come <laughs> right. in. There's still plenty of talent there, but you're going to want to go with what, you know, you're familiar with, and they know what they have in Ibuka. They just haven't been able to run him in a wide receiver one true. Role, the way that they've done it with That's Harrison, true. which is why I think there's going to be some growing pains. Whereas Henderson, he's been the lead back in this offense now since he was a freshman. Right. So he's pretty clearly, I think, the best player. And he's going to have finally an opportunity next year, too, to play with a quarterback that takes a running I don't want I you don't want to say initiative but at least it is more of a an established threat that the defense has to plan around as a backfield mate he hasn't he didn't have that the entire time he was playing next to CJ Stroud and he obviously didn't have it last year with McCord and you wonder how that is going to affect uh his tape in his senior year playing with a quarterback that maybe if not in terms of like ceiling or prospect at least in conceptual ability and what they offer skill wise is a little bit more akin to what you get from a common NFL starter that would Henderson would be paired next to than perhaps what you're going to get from McCord just given the way the modern high level game works where you you can't just be a stationary cannon anymore kind of the way McCord was yeah and, and Kyle Jones had a really good article on the website today um kind of breaking down what Will Howard kind of brings to the offense and what he did at Kansas State in terms of like RPOs and, and different things like that the like kind of the the power read that they do is really interesting yeah. um you know i mean given the guy's so freaking big like it makes like why would you not do that right but if you can combine that with a guy like abuka who we've seen you know do some interesting things rushing the ball right what those little pop passes or reverses uh you put travion henderson in the backfield there's a lot of opportunities to do some really interesting things now i've said that a hundred times and that doesn't always happen but i really hope that it does because now you've got guys with skill sets who can, I think, really change uh, your offense in some interesting ways and, and, and put make make opposing teams wrong-footed, right? Because there's a lot of teams out there who I think kind of feel like they've had Ohio State's number a little bit in terms of what the quarterbacks can do or what they're willing to do. And this is a different – this is going to be a very different offense, uh, I think, than what we've seen in the past two or three seasons. So um, – That'll be cool, and I'm excited to see how that all plays out. So Henderson, I kind of agree with you, man. That's uh, it's going to be a really interesting game changer in a lot of ways, uh, just given who all returns on offense. Uh, speaking of Marvin Harrison, he's gone. Duh. Uh, sorry, my twenty dollars that I pitched in wasn't enough to keep him in Columbus. My bad. I should have maybe thrown in an extra fiver, but he decided to to test the waters of the NFL. And gosh, I just hope he gets drafted. We'll see what happens. Um, other news. <laughs> Parker Fleming, <laughs> that was stupid. Parker Fleming is gone. Football is fixed forever. Hooray. Uh, you're, everyone's most desired firing has, in fact, happened. So, hooray. Every, <laughs> Ohio State will never lose ever again. I'm not defending Parker Fleming, but the, it feels like that was the most overblown storyline of the A little bit, season. right? A little like, bit. Now, granted, yeah. Ohio State was bad on special teams. I am not saying he should have been retained. He should not have been retained. But, like, did we blame Fleming when we missed the kick against Georgia no. last year? Like, before that, Ruggles had made every field goal he tried throughout right. the season. Like, it was 
there were still people complaining about Fleming even last year. That was like a niche thing to mm-hmm. do before, you know, the, the rash of special teams miscues happened this year. I was dreading that it was going to be the reason that they lost to Michigan was on some like stupid, oh, we kick it to their punt oh, right, 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 yeah. when it should have been out of bounds right. and the guy takes it to the house. And special teams ends up being a storyline from that game, but it's not like Parker Fleming is punting the ball himself. <laughs> Mirko laid the biggest egg of his career yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah, he, he had a terrible Like, game. Are you going to blame Fleming for that too? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times what happens is, is when something goes wrong in a football program, like you're looking for a scapegoat, right? You're looking for a dude. Yeah, well, it happens every year at this program when they don't win a right. national championship. What, and, and it's not – I don't think it's like malicious. It's just like what is this one thing that we can change – to get Ohio State over the hump. And it's I gotta tell you something. If Ohio State had a different special teams, you know, coach or coordinator or whatever, this they're still they're still not winning a national championship. They they had inherent problems that are bigger than Parker Fleming. Now, again, like did he deserve to be fired? Yes. There were repeated miscommunications and just, you know, stupid things that happened over and over. They were terrible in punk coverage. Uh that all has to be fixed. But I understand people were excited about his departure, but it's yeah, but even then, people were like, they haven't fired him quickly yeah, right. enough. Like, why is he already gone first day afterwards? Right. Yeah, and it's not, it's not going to work like that, right? There are still, there are still coaching roster moves that they have to make uh, that they will continue to make. And, and I, you know, that story is going to play out over the next several weeks, and that's fine. I mean, we're not starting here. Spring practice doesn't start for several months. You People can calm down a little bit, I think, on that. Um, uh, Gary was hired. So Perry Aliano was out. Uh, they brought in Matt Gary. Um, he's a Knowles guy. Uh, you know, he's doing safeties. I think there's some speculation. He will also be doing special teams, which fine. I mean, I don't really care. Uh, I, I like the continuity. And, and if you're one of those people who's been kind of concerned about Knowles leaving, um, either a, this will be like, okay, he's a grooming guy to eventually replace him or B this is just a way to like, you know, make him comfortable and keep him around the bus. So I don't know. I if Knowles is happy with it. Then I'm happy with it. Jim Knowles clearly knows what he's doing. And uh, who am I to argue with this? Well, I mean, Knowles doesn't have a say in the special teams though. And like, I mean, if the theme of the off season is Ryan day, uh, you know, delegating authority to staff, why is he hiring staff? that are going to take on two jobs on two different phases of the yeah. team. Well, I, I don't like the theory that they're not going to go get a special teams coach. The thing is, is especially when it comes to, you know, a guy that they want to bring into like, you know, be their quarterback guy or a guy that they want to do to, you know, re reevaluate the offense, all that stuff. That's not a decision you should make quickly, right. Or lightly. Like you need to do a lot of analysis. You need to figure out, uh, what these guys are bringing to the table, do the interviews. Like, I don't want that to be a quick decision unless you have somebody directly in mind that you've vetted and to talk to already and have been talking to for, you know, several weeks. Don't pull the trigger until you have like, until you're absolutely sure you're getting the guy that you want. Right. And the point that I was trying to frame was that like, if you're going to get rid of this person, you don't just, plug the hole by you know getting someone else right. to fill another role and saying oh by the way you can do this for right. us if too. that's a problem now, if you have the fixed. resources 
yeah, if you have the resources and this program does, hire someone to do the job correctly. Right. Like two people to do two jobs correctly. Don't just, you know, this isn't a buy one, get one free. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Um, also, uh, you know, another, you know, I, I, I'll do an about face. How about that? I'll do a 180 on here because uh, let's shift to men's basketball real quick. Uh, like the Swallows returning to Capistrano, uh, Ohio State men's basketball is, I am sad to report, once again bad in January. And, you know, uh, they lost to Michigan. Uh, they're <laughs> Michigan's uh, greatest victory, I think, in the last week. So they're very happy about that. Um, you know, Lions are, are winners in the playoffs, and literally nothing else happened in Michigan sports. So, you know, that's all that they have to hang their hats on. First, first in 20 years. That's impressive yeah, good for them. Um, so anyway, Ohio State. 30 years, actually. Yeah, I like think. 91, I think. So, yeah, like over 30. Jesus. Oh, my God. So, like, I have never been alive for a Lions <laughs> playoff appearance. I know. Isn't that insane? Um, good for them. They should be happy I about agree. it and celebrate nothing else in that exactly. state. Not that they have anything to celebrate. Taylor Decker uh, was interviewed after that game, and he was he was very emotional. And I think that he was I think he's the longest tenured lion. So good for him. I I think that's great. Um, And shout out to Jake McQuaid as well. (laughs) Gotta love Jake McQuaid. Um, Long Long snapper, long snapper, extraordinaire. So look, uh, this is Ohio State's third straight loss, twelfth uh, in a row in the Big Ten on the road. That's fun. Um, they play Penn State next, which you know that's a team that hopefully they can get. They they blew a lead against Penn State, you know, a few weeks ago, and that wasn't great. But after that, they still have to play a team that I think beat the number one team in the country at that time in Nebraska. They've got to play Northwestern, that's playing really well. They have. Who also beat the number one team that's, in the country? That's at that right. Time. I totally forgot about that. And then they got to take on Illinois, which is a top twenty-five or top fifteen team, actually. I think. So here's the problem. All right, uh, you're looking at a scenario where you lose easily three or four of those games. Um, the shots just aren't falling. And this is what we said earlier, which is that you know at the time, extremely entertaining team to watch, super fun eventually their shot will will go away and that will be awful but at the time i was telling people to enjoy it well now is not the time to enjoy it because they're not hitting anything um they they are absolutely cold from distance and look i've said this a billion times they have no second gear they if if their shots are falling and they're doing what they want to do they can beat anybody that happens about 20 percent of the time uh, otherwise they struggle and every single possession just looks like they're flailing. Here's what I'll say. You know, we just talked about how you got to be patient and coaching hires and things like that. I think Holtman's done, man. And, and I, I know there could be some miraculous turnaround or whatever. I can't possibly imagine how that happens. And what, I don't know what purpose keeping him around. I don't know what, what that serves. I, I don't understand, you know, what he could possibly do do in terms of a positive direction for the program by letting them look crappy for the rest of January, February, March. Now I know they're not going to fire them in the middle of the season, but like this has got to be it, right? Like at the end of the season, they, they have to move on. Yeah. It's trying, it feels like it's trending in that direction, but I mean, look, the rhythm of, and plenty of people have pointed this out already, but 
the rhythm of these seasons is January is rocky as hell. And then things start slowly turning around. And I mean, if we're at a point at the end of February where the team still, even after this rough stretch coming up where they very well could lose like, you know, all four of those games you listed. And there's still, even before they go into that, are on a 12-game road losing streak going back to last season. Which is insane. I mean, I mean, I mean come on. like They could still end up turning that around, and if they're looking at 20 wins at least in a potential tournament appearance, just based on that alone, because they had an effective first half of the season, then, I mean, this it's not fun the roller coaster, the rhythm, but it's just the way things have gone. Uh, I and I, what I think it really comes down to is, I, I mean, Gene Smith has, you know, uh, obviously has been a very staunch defender of Chris Holtman, and it, it, if you know, as Smith is preparing to retire here, I think that as his presence kind of wanes that's really what's going to be di- the, what's going to dictate in tandem with the momentum of these next two months, whether or not Holman gets to stay around. So I don't, I don't think right now it's a foregone conclusion. I don't even think it's going to be a foregone conclusion. If they lose the next four games, it's really just going to come down to what is the momentum of the team at the end of February? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they completely go in the tank for the next six, like six weeks, then yeah, that's not a good way for things to end for any basketball coach. But there's still time for it to turn around. And I mean, they they are kind of slumping. But the thing that I you know pointed out and have been saying from the jump is that they're as long as they've got two or their three scorers putting in shots, they're going to be in most of their games. Uh, and it's not like they're getting blown they're out. No. A lot of these games have been pretty competitive where they've, you know, at least come back to take the lead or tie it up or bring it in within a basket or two. So it's, I, I, they, they just need to get better at closing games and finding greater consistency. They've gotten a little bit better with the turnovers, but they, they really do lack consistency and their top players they they struggle to get all of them going congruently. Right. And I think that once they find a way for all of them to gel together in a way that doesn't rely on them getting hot, then that is going to be when this team thrives. It could still happen. It just hasn't happened right now. And it's probably not going to happen in any road game in the foreseeable <laughs> future. So, but, okay. But this is my problem because it's the same thing every year, right? Like, I, I agree that they definitely, they have talent. They have time to rebound and, and get things figured out. But, like, if the ceiling, I mean, if what you expect from a Holtman team every year is that they're going to have this. Let, let me ask okay. you this. Let's say they lose every game in January. Sure. It, let, do you want Holtman fired before the end of the season? I don't think that's productive. Um, but I also okay. don't know. I, I guess my point with all of this, because I, I understand what you're saying. But my point is, is that. Well, where I want to go with it is, let's say it gets to a point where it's inevitable. He's going to get yeah. let go. Who, who, who do you figure is the replacement option that 
is going to be at the very least a better recruiter than he's right been. i don't know and and that's the thing that's why you wait to i'm just playing no, devil's advocate no, no, no. by the way i'm not saying keep no, no i understand i understand i mean and it, it, there are fair points i that's why i say wait till the end of the season because you don't want to just like you know shit can the guy in the middle of the season and be like okay now who because that's not that's a terrible thing you know like you can't do a coaching search during that time uh recruiting gets all screwed up like you definitely want to do it at a certain window like right after the the regular season you know you know after the tournament whatever and then you can start to evaluate but my problem is this is the same team that we see every year with holtman which is okay they're going to start out with great expectations they do well on the out-of-conference stuff they totally crap the bed as soon as they enter Big Ten play. And then they start to kind of claw back a little bit as they approach the tournament. And then it's like, maybe they get in, maybe they don't. But the expectation is so tanked by that point that you're just hoping they win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament. Or maybe they get in the NCAA tournament and maybe win a game. Like, that's not the expectation that Ohio State men's basketball has for itself or has developed for itself through the Thad Mata years. And I think what this does, because you just keep replaying the same thing over and over, is like it, it just it, it keeps decreasing expectations. People don't get excited about the team anymore. They're not coming out to see them, right? You know, live, which is a huge problem. Uh, they don't have national, you know, cachet that they used to have, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And that's that's a problem. If you want them to be a money, you know, generating <laughs> revenue generating machine, then they're not going to do that. And so I think what this does, this mediocrity is it's it's overall damaging the brand. And you just can't keep bringing it back year after year after year, hoping that things will somehow get better, because I don't think it will. I think this is the ceiling for Ohio State basketball under Chris Holtman. And that's again, is he a terrible guy? Is he an awful coach? No, but uh, I don't think he's the right fit. And, um, you know, we've had people say, like, in Slack, you know, this guy, he's, he's got mid-major all over him. And, and this that's the way it feels right now. It feels like Ohio State is being run and coached like a mid-major team, and it's not. They're in one of the premier basketball conferences in the country, and you're not getting that kind of, I think, just frankly, talent. We're a big boy basketball team with a big stadium. <laughs> Well, that's a whole other thing. I, I mean, hopefully not forever, <laughs> but, you know, yes, we do. Um, okay, so we'll see what happens with that. I, You know, I want them to turn around, but they're going to get hot uh, from three quick or otherwise they're in deep trouble. Let's go ahead and pivot to ask us anything. We would remind you that you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and also ask us anything as well as the uh, 11 dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com shirts hat stickers all kinds of stuff i'm currently wearing my ohio state uh themed 11 warriors themes <laughs> for legally distinct reasons 11 warriors themed uh, uh winter hat right now because it is very cold it's very luxurious yes, it's so comfortable and soft i love it um so let's go ahead and uh and ask us anything so this first one here the, we got a couple questions um uh, okay i'm gonna we were trying to like skirt around it i'm gonna i'm gonna allude to certain things from andrew and saint pete maybe he can go to no. he's gonna go to your place george <laughs> knock on the door <laughs> um 
given that next year will likely and hopefully be a down year for Michigan football due to a large exodus of senior and insane schedule and some coaching changes. I don't know why. I don't know what happened with Michigan football recently that would have caused any of that. Um, would a win for Ryan Day against Michigan next season count less towards him getting his his credentials slash getting him off the hot seat? No, no. Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely not. not. No. They could beat the worst Michigan team in 20 years by one point, and it wouldn't that's that's fine. Who cares? Get the freaking win. <laughs> no. If Michigan is is 0 and eleven going into the game next year, yeah, you, and if you sink your team. Right. Oh my god. I, I could you imagine if oh, if Michigan had the opportunity to go zero and twelve, oh, and Ohio State were were the last team like just waiting to end their season with that abomination. Oh God! Oh my God! I dream of that, that day. Actually... Oh, what a brilliant thing that would be! That to would witness. be beautiful. You got to sink your teeth into that win, no matter how bad Michigan is. You, you, ho- I will hope beyond hope that they go zero and eleven <laughs> one of these seasons. My goodness, that, that would be such a thing to. That witness. would probably be my favorite in this hypothetical. That would be my favorite Ohio State win of all time. That would be the nail in the yeah. coffin. So, Oh my! But look, Ohio, look, Ryan Day and Ohio State could beat Michigan three to two. You know, against a like a you know a two and ten Michigan team. That a win's a win. No one cares. That does that, that does not count less. Um, second here from Andrew. As we enter the twelve team playoff era, does uh does the end of season standard change for Ohio State and other similar programs? So in other words, is just getting in the playoff enough for Ohio State, or does Ohio State need to do more than that? Do they got to win some games? In theory, it should be enough. It's not going to be for a lot of people, but I hope that it. I hope that it calms down a lot of rabid college football fans. I hope that the teams that presumably are going to be in every year now, like Georgia mm-hmm. and and well, we'll we'll see how Alabama does in light of recent events that we haven't that's, talked about that's yet. Right. Um, but you know the you you figure Georgia's perennial powerhouse. Uh, if if Clemson recaptures some of their luster, that they would regularly be in that conversation. You know, at least some ACC team. But you know, the traditional Power Five names are at least going to be in that con. You know, Penn State always you know blowing out the rest of the Big Ten East, not able to get over Ohio State they'll at least be able to, you know, slide in now because they're, you know, the last few years perennially <laughs> in that seven to ten. Was it wait, wait, wasn't Penn State the uh program that said like it, it was that one Super Bowl tr- uh tweet where it was like a Penn State player has been appeared in every Super Bowl except for like five since <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that would be very on brand for that program. Masterful work from the graphics. That's right. Department. That would be very on brand for that program, I think, to uh uh, to, to milk that for all it's worth. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because for Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and all that, they're going to want to win games. They're going to want to appear in the national championship. I will also think, I, I think that the playoff format, particularly where you've got like games played on campus and stuff like that, that's going to, 
that's going to alter things in a lot of really concrete ways. There's going to be some team like, I don't, let's say Clemson rebounds a little bit and they scoot into the playoff and they have to play, um, you know, an on-campus foe or something like that on the road for them. You know, I think they might get into it going like, all right, we're in the playoff. We're Clemson. We're Dabo. We're great. We're going to make some noise. And then they get blown out or they get beat on the road and all of a sudden, it's like, we're just happy to be in the playoff. It's an accomplishment. And so I think there's going to be a lot of, like, tempering of expectations after the fact because you're going to have some of these programs be like, okay, we would have been here in the 14 playoff anyway. We got expectations winning a national title. And then you've got other teams that are going to say, you know, we're just happy to be here. Come to, you know, come to wherever. Come to Penn State. You're going to be in the playoff every year, blah, blah, blah. So it's going to be an interesting adjustment to see how these teams kind of, like, sell that uh, to their, you know, fans and things like that. Um, yeah, I hope it's going to be enough for Ohio State fans, but I think what's inevitably going to happen is like kind of what's happened the last two years, which is it all comes down to whether or not they beat Michigan. Right. Like, I don't even think winning the Big Ten championship matters. Oh, like, they could no. beat Michigan, lose the Big Ten title. They'll still be in right. the playoff, presumably, if they've run the table at that right. point. And I think people will be like, yeah, whatever. But if you lose to Michigan, the last two years – We've literally taken a, like a statistically significant yeah. amount of the fans in a poll and said, "Hey, do you guys still want to see this team in the playoff?" Now, no, I'm I'm so upset about the loss to Michigan. <laughs> I never want to see this team right. again. So fans are not going to be happy regardless. But it it really just comes down to the Michigan game, and then from there, you know, they'll you'll be happy with. You know, I'll be happy seeing them in the postseason competing, but obviously, the goal when the goal is a national championship, you're inevitably going to have players and fans and whatnot that are disappointed when that isn't yeah, the you're outcome gonna, every right, single. You're, they're going to want to be in the semifinals or win a nat, or get in the natty every year, and I don't think that changes if you're in Ohio State or in Alabama or Georgia or whoever. <laughs> um, uh, next one here this is from Kevin. Uh, guys, in your wildest dreams or nightmares, did you ever see that team up north winning a football natty? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, next question is from our good friend Alvin. <laughs> uh, so uh, Al- Alvin says, I recently attended my first hockey match, which I, that's like, okay. Knowing what I know about Alvin, that's, that's, I find that strange. But I was pleasantly surprised with the atmosphere. Objectively, it was a very entertaining live event. I can see how some people can be bored at football games as there's a lot of downtime. The action is a small percentage of the game. What sports are the most entertaining in person? And what is at the bottom of the list? Um, you know, hockey, I agree. I think hockey, people do not, hockey is super slept on. People do not give it enough credit for being as exciting as a live sport as it is. It is super fun to watch live. I really, really like hockey live. Another sport, I don't, I don't know necessarily that it's, I mean, this is going to be a niche sport till the end of time, right? Like nobody is ever going to be like, okay, I'm a diehard, you know, water polo fan, but I got to tell you something, man, water polo is organized drowning and watching these guys, people are also aware of this water polo, like professional water polo guys are like six foot three and 240 pounds. They are built like linebackers and they're just beating the absolute hell out of each other for what is a pretty short, uh, game like these games last like 20 like 
you know, like 40 minutes. Johnny always gases up water polo <laughs> because he was briefly recruited to That's play true. water polo. That's true. When he was applying to colleges. That's true. But it is still, it, it is a sport of kings. I am not a king. I would, I would have died. Um, that would not have worked out very well for me. But it is, it is actually, I think, incredibly entertaining. He can tread water collegiately. <laughs> At one time, I could. Um, what's at the bottom of the well? I don't know. What, so, do you have any sports? First of all, George, that you think are like sneakily entertaining, people don't know about. Yeah, uh, go go to an MMA event. That's uh, not sneaky. People know about event. that. People know about that. No, because people still sleep on yeah. it. They don't go buy a ticket and you know go. What? Maybe they don't go live. And, I, I would agree with that. They probably don't. They probably haven't right. seen one live. I bet a lot of people have seen it on That's TV. That's my point. I I I have to tell you, I went. To a paper, I went to UFC 274 in 2022, and I went in to 287 last mm-hmm. year. I saw two the knockout of the year at both at, at both shows. The first one, it was like a it was when Michael Chandler kicked Tony Ferguson in the face like a soccer kick, and it was like a bolt of lightning went off in the yeah. arena. I mean, it was like imagine seeing a game-winning shot in like a basketball game. <laughs> but it was game, somebody kicking somebody in the But face. nobody expects the <laughs> shot is going to end the right. game. It it was one of the most surreal things that I've ever seen at a sporting event. And then the following year, I saw Israel Adesanya knock out Alex Pereira, which was like not just the knockout of the year, but was one of the greatest moments in the history of MMA and was one of the best moments in sports last year. And I got to see that live right down the street from where I live. Like it, it is so electric. Like when it, when is, I don't know if you saw it, but when Izzy was shoot, he stole the celebration of his opponent. Oh like, yeah. That yeah, had yeah, knocked yeah. him out in three. He had knocked him out in kickboxing and then taken his title from him the last time that they had fought, he was 0-3 against this guy, Alex Pereira. And Pereira had a celebration where he would, like, mime shooting a bow, bow and, and arrow. Everything. Yeah, and he, like, and when, he's like... And when Adesanya knocked him out, he shot him three times with his own celebration. Yeah. It was... There was a crescendo of noise in the arena with every arrow that he <laughs> shot. It was absolutely... when When a knockout like that happens... And there's an audience to witness it. It is. It's truly unlike anything else that I've ever witnessed in any I can, arena. I can see. So that. I know that you say it's slept on, but or that it's not slept on. But the live experience is. There's nothing else like it. It's the best sport to see live. In you know the what? World, I can. I can dig I, that. I can. Opinion. I can get with that. I can see where that would be pretty wild. Um. Bottom of the list, I you know what? I've never been to a golf tournament in person. I can't imagine it would be anything other than abject misery unless you were like pro- getting like progressively drunk throughout the entirety of it, which I know is what people actually do. But like standing in the middle of the summer where you have to be utterly quiet while guys in slacks play golf just sounds like hell. It, it sounds like my version of hell. That just sounds awful. Um. I'm nominating baseball, not because like the sport itself is bad, but because like it's literally just designed to be like 
even though it's the main event you're like going out there to just like drink beer with your friends and stuff and like it's uh it's very much a background experience it's more of a seeing a baseball game live is like more of a social thing and i'll also say baseball's best experience is through the radio no 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 other no other medium I comes tell you close. Something, I don't necessarily disagree with that take. I grew up listening to Reds games on the radio my entire child. I mean, that was, you know, we would just have it on in the in the house and you know, again, like back in the day, you know, not every game was on TV and stuff like that and it was hard to watch it sometimes even when it was on TV. I would I'll listen to a baseball game on the radio before watching it on TV any day. Yeah, the guys week. who do play by play are, are pretty amazing and it's it's just it's this I don't know, there's something oddly comforting about it. Um I uh I love baseball and I love watching baseball, but I would never begrudge somebody who says that they hate watching it <laughs> cuz it's it really like you have to have a, either a personal attachment to it or like, you know, an a past where you played the game or whatever to really i think you know get into it because it's you know you're far away usually you can't really see the action very well it's it's difficult it's a lot of standing yeah there is um although i think the live experiences have been much improved because of their um changes to the game a little bit all right this one's from jen this last one here is from jen uh if you find yourself in the grocery store uh, store shopping while hungry what are the grocery, grocery shore? shore yeah the grocery shore is that is that like an offshoot of the jersey shore <laughs> that's right that's that's the one i uh, am going to be the star of the grocery shore um what are some things that you would buy that you normally wouldn't or shouldn't if you go shopping while hungry what are your what are your bad impulse buys? I'm I'm too hung up on my own concept of the grocery store. <laughs> I, can you repeat? Start over. All right. Please. If you're in the grocery store, <laughs> you're out there. You're hungry. You know you shouldn't shop while hungry, right? So you're out there in the grocery store. You're shopping right. while hungry. What are some impulse buys that you uh, normally would not buy or shouldn't buy? Uh, original flavored goldfish. Okay. Uh, that's that's a big one that's you know what i'm i'm the same way with uh cheese it's i can i do the same thing my dad does which is uh, yeah which is just my dad just annihilates like a family-sized box of cheese it's and i'm like oh my god never took the never took quite to those i like them uh i will say my impulse buy i'm i'm such a sucker for deals like i just i can't help myself and i'll buy you know, I'll do the two for one or buy three, get one free of any gross, disgusting thing that they're trying to get off their shelves. And lately I did this twice and I don't know what my wife, like, I don't know what she thought when I brought it home. Um, but like Kroger has been selling shrimp really cheaply. <laughs> and so I got, they had this like um, buy one, get one free with these cocktail shrimp, like these party cocktail shrimp platters. It's like 20 or 30 cocktail shrimp. And I'm like, but it's buy one, get one free. And then I ate right. an entire platter for dinner one <laughs> by myself. So I would say that's probably. You look like a shrimper right now. I do kind of. I, I got the cable uh, knit sweater. And your hat. And, your and I got the hat on. Sweater. I'm going to get on my boat. I'm going to get on my main fishing boat and, and get my. Get out there with Gump and uh, the, <laughs> that's the right. other guy. That's right. Um so yeah, that's that's my biggest uh, downfall is definitely the the deals. I, I don't care how crappy of a deal it is, how bad the food is. I just 
impulsively will take it because I just, I can't help myself. It's like, it's a deal. I got to do it. Um, so that's asking. Oh, wait, you, well, you had the, the cheese, any, any other delicious things that you No, you had the cheese. Oh, that's right. You had I the goldfish had the crackers. When I was in college, um, for my birthday, my family got me a five pound, like jug of goldfish crackers. And I'm pretty sure that was my only like meal. That's the only thing I ate for about a week straight was just handfuls of goldfish crackers. You know, it's weird. I, I hate hate like like of uh, if i were to rank all of the cheese if i were to make cheese power rankings <laughs> cheddar would be at the bottom of the list easily and yeah, and that goes for like every cheddar flavored What's everything cheddar cheese by itself except the cheddar flavored gold well i think that's a different flavor i don't know what it it's everybody like it is universally appealing those cheddar gold and those are the only ones that they sell in those like enormous milk carton yeah, sizes about, yeah. they don't do they don't do that for the original ones no matter how much i may want them i've never seen the cheddar it. ones are but if i do if you show me one of those giant milk cartons with original goldfish uh and for i i might go back to 250 pounds <laughs> um what okay slight digression but what's at the top of your cheese rankings oh pepper oh, okay jack. well that's a good choice not even Good close. Pepper Jack's elite. Well, Colby Jack. Well, Colby, Colby, Colby Jack. It might be Colby Jack, but Colby. if we're going, if you, if you're not going to let me do hybrid cheeses, we'll say. Pepper all right, I'm Jack. fine with it. Pepper, Pepper Jack's an elite cheese. I'm all about Pepper Jack. That's good. Um, I like, I like a good Havarti. It, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I like it a lot. I think it's good. Um, all right. So that was ask us anything. Uh, please send us your questions about various meats and cheeses to dubcast at 11warriors.com the grocery grocery store um uh, a couple things to talk about before we get out of here first of all nick saban retired holy crap um 17 years as bama's head coach about a trillion championships won one with lsu everybody forgets that kaylin DeBoer steps in from washington has this eight minute long speech that got leaked to his uh team where he says stuff Along the lines of like, um, you know, I'm so. This is, he said this to Washington. Yes, correct. Yeah, this is out. his goodbye speech, okay. and and so he basically says stuff like, you know, I, we're all blindsided by things in life. I can't believe this happened. Like he's he's acting like he's the guy who's the victim in this situation. Well, he's doing the Lincoln Riley like in the. Uh, players tribune thing after the fact where he's like no hey you know we're all yes, victims in yes this. right yes <laughs> poor poor that's right poor little old me getting paid millions of dollars to go coach at alabama um yeah kaylin DeBoer is going out there it looks i mean they hired him within like 48 hours so it was pretty clear that they you know had a had some guys on their list ready to go i'm still surprised the patriots <laughs> named their coach faster than alabama yeah that's kind of wild um, but I guess that, you know, they feel pretty, uh, pretty confident about them. Uh, fish leaves, um, Arizona and is heading up to, uh, to Washington. <laughs> he basically talked for like 20 seconds and was like, see ya <laughs> and left and pissed off a lot of people in Arizona. Uh, good hires for both programs really. But, um, it's unfortunate, I guess that Arizona is left ha- holding the bag on this. I, you know, I don't know coaching hires can really mean a lot. And I know at Ohio state, it's kind of hard to remember that because Ohio state has had 
you know, really in the grand totality of things, like amazing luck with coaching hires, right? Like, I mean, just, I don't think it's arguable that Ohio State football has never really missed. Um, even if you're saying your worst hire is, is some people would, would argue because, you know, this most recent yeah, yeah, one, they're stupid because <laughs> I got to tell you something, Alabama was ass before, uh, Nick Saban came around. They were terrible, uh, in large chunks of the eighties. They were awful in the nineties. They looked really bad in the early two thousands. I used to wonder out loud as a kid, like at this, this, like, this guy bear Bryant built the greatest program ever at Bama. And now they're yeah, Mike Shula's like, in there. How, how do you fall so far from great? They had like two good seasons with Gene Stallings, my bro, Gene Stallings. So I have an autograph from, and I've met in person. We're best friends. Um, and then they get sanctioned all the time and they just look terrible. And then, you know, Saban takes over and, and basically takes a season to make them into a, a national championship, you know, juggernaut. My point is, is that if you get that higher wrong, you can set back a team for a long, long time. Um, and I think people have this maybe perception that Michigan is going to, or excuse me, God, Freudian slip, that Alabama is just going to keep on humming because they're Alabama and that's what they've always done. And of course they have to, that's not the case. And, you know, like I said, an Ohio State fan might go, well, that's preordained. You're going to be great if you're a blue blood. That's not true, and it can all evaporate in an instant. Um, so we'll see what happens with Kalen DeBoer there. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be able to maintain the same level of success that Alabama is used to, but we'll see what happens. So I think I think that's pretty interesting. Um, and some Ohio State news. Uh, Russ Bjork is a fi- uh, officially the athletic director. Uh, they there were a lot of uh, rumors and people talking about his name floating around. We posted on the site that you know that he was being seriously looked at. They made that official today, and you know I, I don't know that it's really easy to judge an athletic director. I think there's a lot of people who think that uh, you know Gene Smith sucks. <laughs> I think those people are wrong. There's some people at Texas A&M who really hate uh, Bjork and and think he's not any good. I don't know that they have any special insight. I do think that extending Jimbo like he did was stupid. I also think it was gutsy to make the call to fire him anyway. Um, I do think defending Q freeze during all that Ole Miss stuff was stupid, but that's also things that you can learn from, you know, if you can survive as an AD um, and in the shark infested waters of Texas A&M NIL and booster situation, then, you're probably tough enough to make it in Columbus, but I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of, we'll see with this guy and he's going to have to make some big time decisions fairly quickly. I, I I hadn't really considered the, the positive that you just highlighted until you, you know, literally just highlighted <laughs> it to me. Cause yeah, in my, my head, I was thinking, Oh, you know, this is uh I, I I had a similar amount of skepticism as other people about this. I think but, it's fair to be skeptical. Yeah, I, think I mean, that's fine. getting well, no, but getting an AD that has been at the heart of this storm, like uh, that has been dealing with the tumultuousness of the NIL thing, like the Wild West moment, on a more direct basis than probably anybody else. That's probably a good person to have at Ohio State as they try to iron out, you know, the, the firm framework for how they, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to have, 
you know, the collectives and channeling in place for that, but, you know, to actually get the, the relationships consistently in place, uh, with, you know, your, your would be boosters and big donors and, you know, the, and I'm, I'm not going to be privy to how all of the infrastructure gets set up, but the point is there's not a lot of people right now that are period, even those that are, you know, very much professionally full-time within the ranks of college football. So to get someone that has witnessed what has and hasn't worked for a team that has had to regularly compete and win financially for these players in the last few years in the SEC, it's good to get an AD that has that kind of wherewithal that is going to be able to take that and then translate it to the Big Ten where there's been a much more conservative culture around that kind of aggressive spending. And I think that it'll be interesting for uh, him to go. I'm forgive me. I'm going to say his name wrong, but I think it's York, Bjork. like, like yeah, the singer. Okay. Right. Okay. Medulla is a so, great album, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Anyway, dancer. So in the dark. Bjork, but Bjork, <laughs> right. But Bjork, in any event, I, I've never listened to Bjork that's, music, but it's weird Icelandic stuff. So. Right. Uh, I've heard Sigur Rós. I don't know if they're Icelandic. I think they are. Too. I think they I think might they are. be. Yeah. No, I've heard them, but yeah, never. Anyway. Anyway, we're getting off track. Again, point is the OSUAD being being neck deep in the in the money pit. I think uh, just from an experience perspective. I will will be helpful yeah. for navigating the uncharted waters of I think so too. I will say though that you know athletic directors are are basically remembered for two things, right? Who they hire and who they fire. And uh, you know, those decisions are gonna come and you know, with men's basketball, that's the thing. I mean, the timing is interesting because I do think Holtman's gonna be gone at the end of the season, but Gene isn't leaving until like the end of June. Like the first of July is Bjork's first day. Um so there's going to be a lot of time between the end of the basketball season and that period in time. Now, I'm sure he would definitely have a large say in that, and it's going to be probably a team effort to figure all that out. Um, but maybe that's a good way for him to kind of ease his way into that role. Uh, another thing I want to talk about real quick, C.J. Stroud just absolutely dismantling the Browns. At this point, I don't know what else this dude's got to do. Um, I think he, I think they said he was like one point off of having a perfect, you know, passing performance against the Browns uh, and, and the Texans playoff game. They looked unbelievable and then just coasted in the second half. Uh, tied the record for most touchdowns thrown by a rookie quarterback in the playoff game. Um, unflappable. Didn't make any mistakes. I, it just no notes. 10 out of 10. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, the guy plays like a 10-year veteran. It's, uh, it's really kind of amazing to watch. But I'm so happy. I'm so happy too. Because I, I mean, first of all, screw the Browns. But here's the other thing: like, <laughs> like, not only did all the haters who said that he was uncoachable, stupid, all this other crap, they just need to shut the hell up. But like, he doesn't look any different than he did at Ohio State. He's not like it's not like he necessarily elevated his game to some level that we never saw. He's the same dude we saw in Columbus. He's he's always been that good. He's always been that dude. And and like I'm just for one excited that everybody you know in the national football world, like you know, they get to see that because for years we saw at Ohio State, we're like this guy's amazing. This guy's amazing. Like oh he's a Ohio State quarterback. No, he's just like an unbelievable quarterback. And I'm glad he finally gets to show that on such a huge stage. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, when we needed a a, a feel good vibe for you know last week, I when we published the dubcast, I even though we kind of buried the lead and we didn't talk about C.J. Stroud last week, same as yeah. this week until after ask us anything. I tried to make that the front in highlighting the fact that there's an OSU quarterback in the playoffs and we should feel good about that. And of course, you know, half, half the fan base, you know, glass half empty. And of course they're all Browns fans. They're like, it doesn't (laughs) matter because they're going to lose when the Browns roll through to Houston this week. I don't even know why we're, we're being happy about CJ Stroud because it's a, so all you, all you Browns fans that well, thought you, you were just gonna, you thought Stroud, you thought CJ Stroud was just gonna gonna curtsy, gonna bow down to the 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 majestic Cleveland Browns and <laughs> their their latest NFL playoff run. Yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, the same one from a decade ago is Joe Flacco elite? <laughs> uh, no, he's not. C.J. Stroud is the league, youngest quarterback in the NFL history to win a playoff game. That's pretty sick. Um, uh, you know, and I think it kind of twists the knife for Browns fans that Baker is still in the playoffs. But, and and oh, performing so really funny. well. Like, doing really well with Tampa Bay, which is also hilarious. So, I don't know, man. Get get on the C.J. train, man. I, I It's... Put your NFL allegiances aside. And I guess at this point you have to if you're Browns fans. If you're Bengals fans, you, you did that long ago. But um, just enjoy the fact this guy is just dominating the league and looking amazing doing it. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited for the dude. Finally, there is national championship we have to kind of get into. And it's uh, the Ohio State cheer program winning a national championship. Uh, we all know knew you guys could do it. And uh, I know we were kind of, you know, we, we didn't really want to talk about it throughout the entire episode, but finally here at the end, that's right. The national championship, uh, Ohio state cheer showing up and showing out. So We've good got job, spirit. Guys. Yes, we do. <laughs> they got spirit. How about, how about you? you? Uh, so that's the dubcast for this week. Thank you so much for sending in the questions and listening and all that good stuff. We will be back next time to discuss all the foibles around college football, basketball, everything else, Ohio State sports. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you then. Take care, folks.